Section three of Second Variety by Philip K. Dick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Klaus looked up quickly. You can see what she's trying to say. She thinks I'm the second variety. Don't you see, Major? Now she wants you to believe I killed him on purpose, that I'm— Why did you kill him, then? Tasso said. I told you. Klaus shook his head wearily. I thought he was a claw. I thought I knew. Why? I had been watching him. I was suspicious. Why? I thought I had seen something, heard something. I thought I— He stopped. Go on. We were sitting at the table, playing cards. You two were in the other room. It was silent. I thought I heard him— uh, Were. There was silence. Do you believe that? Tasso said to Hendricks. Yes, I believe what he says. I don't. I think he killed Rudy for a good purpose. Tasso touched the rifle, resting in the corner of the room. Major. No. Hendricks shook his head. Let's stop it right now. One is enough. We're afraid, the way he was. If we kill him, we'll be doing what he did to Rudy. Klaus looked gratefully up at him. Thanks. I was afraid. You understand, don't you? Now she's afraid, the way I was. She wants to kill me. No more killing. Hendricks moved toward the end of the ladder. I'm going above and try the transmitter once more. If I can't get them, we're moving back toward my lines tomorrow morning. Klaus rose quickly. I'll come up with you and give you a hand. The night air was cold. The earth was cooling off. Klaus took a deep breath, filling his lungs. He and Hendricks stepped onto the ground out of the tunnel. Klaus planted his feet wide apart, the rifle up, watching and listening. Hendricks crouched by the tunnel mouth, tuning the small transmitter. "'Any luck?' Klaus asked presently. "'Not yet. Keep trying. Tell them what happened.' Hendricks kept trying, without success. Finally he lowered the antenna. "'It's useless. They can't hear me, or they hear me and won't answer, or—or or they don't exist. I'll try once more.' Hendricks raised the antenna. "'Scott, can you hear me? Come in!' He listened. There was only static. Then, still very faintly, "'This is Scott!' His fingers tightened. "'Scott, is it you? This is Scott!' Klaus squatted down. "'Is it your command?' "'Scott, listen, do you understand? About them, the claws. Did you get my message? Did you hear me?' "'Yes!' Faintly, almost inaudible. He could hardly make out the word. You got my message? Is everything all right at the bunker? None of them have got in? Everything is all right. Have they tried to get in? The voice was weaker. No. Hendricks turned to Klaus. They're all right. Have they been attacked? No. Hendricks pressed the phone tighter to his ear. Scott, I can hardly hear you. Have you notified the moon base? Do they know? Are they alerted? No answer. Scott, can you hear me? Silence. Hendricks relaxed, sagging. Faded out. Must be radiation pools. Hendricks and Klaus looked at each other. Neither of them said anything. After a time, Klaus said, 
Did it sound like any of your men? Could you identify the voice? It was too faint. You couldn't be certain? No. Then it could have been— I don't know. Now I'm not sure. Let's go back down and get the lid closed. They climbed back down the ladder, slowly, into the warm cellar. Klaus bolted the lid behind them. Tasso waited for them, her face expressionless. Any luck? she asked. Neither of them answered. Well, Klaus said at last, what do you think, Major? Was it your officer, or was it one of them? I don't know. Then we are just where we were before. Hendricks stared down at the floor, his jaw set. We'll have to go, to be sure. Anyhow, we have food here for only a few weeks. We'd have to go up after that in any case. Apparently so. What's wrong? Tasso demanded. Did you get across to your bunker? What's the matter? It may have been one of my men, Hendricks said slowly. Or it may have been one of them. But we'll never know standing here. He examined his watch. Let's turn in and get some sleep. We want to be up early tomorrow. Early? Our best chance to get through the claws would be early in the morning, Hendricks said. The morning was crisp and clear. Major Hendricks studied the countryside through his field glasses. See anything? Klaus said. No. Can you make out our bunkers? Which way? Here. Klaus took the glasses and adjusted them. I know where to look. He looked a long time, silently. Tasso came to the top of the tunnel and stepped up onto the ground. Anything? No. Klaus passed the glasses back to Hendricks. They're out of sight. Come on, let's not stay here. The three of them made their way down the side of the ridge, sliding in the soft ash. Across a flat rock a lizard scuttled. They stopped instantly, rigid. What was that? Klaus muttered. A lizard. The lizard ran on, hurrying through the ash. It was exactly the same color as the ash. Perfect adaptation, Klaus said. Proves we were right. Lysenko, I mean. They reached the bottom of the ridge and stopped, standing close together, looking around them. Let's go, Hendricks started off. It's a good long trip on foot. Klaus fell in beside him. Tasso walked behind, her pistol held alertly. Major, I've been meaning to ask you something, Klaus said. How did you run across the David, the one that was tagging you? I met it along the way, in some ruins. What did it say? Not much. It said it was all alone, by itself. You couldn't tell it was a machine. It talked like a living person you never suspected. It didn't say much. I noticed nothing unusual. It's strange. Machines so much like people that you can be fooled. Almost alive. I wonder where it'll end. They're going to do what you Yanks designed them to do, Tasso said. You designed them to hunt out life and destroy. Human life, wherever they find it. Hendricks was watching Klaus intently. Why did you ask me? What's on your mind? Nothing, Klaus answered. Klaus thinks you're the second variety, Tasso said calmly from behind him. 
Now he's got his eye on you. Klaus flushed. Why not? We sent a runner to the Yank lines, and he comes back. Maybe he thought he'd find some good game here. Hendricks laughed harshly. I came from the U.N. bunkers. There were human beings all around me. Maybe you saw an opportunity to get into the Soviet lines. Maybe you saw your chance. Maybe you— The Soviet lines had already been taken over. Your lines had been invaded before I left my command bunker. Don't forget that. Tasso came up beside him. That proves nothing at all, Major. Why not? There appears to be little communication between the varieties. Each is made in a different factory. They don't seem to work together. You might have started for the Soviet lines without knowing anything about the work of the other varieties, or even what the other varieties were like. How do you know so much about the claws? Hendricks said. I've seen them. I've observed them. I observed them take over the Soviet bunkers. You know quite a lot, Klaus said. Actually, you saw very little. Strange that you should have been such an acute observer. Tasso laughed. <laughs> Do you suspect me now? Forget it, Hendricks said. They walked on in silence. Are we going the whole way on foot? Tasso said after a while. I am not used to walking. She gazed around at the plain of ash, stretching out on all sides of them as far as they could see. How dreary! It's like this all the way, Klaus said. In a way I wish you had been in your bunker when the attack came. Someone else would have been with you if not me, Klaus muttered. Tasso laughed, putting her hands in her pockets. I suppose so. They walked on, keeping their eyes on the vast plain of silent ash around them. The sun was setting. Hendricks made his way forward, slowly, waving Tasso and Klaus back. Klaus squatted down, resting his gun-butt against the ground. Tasso found a concrete slab and sat down with a sigh. It's good to rest. Be quiet, Klaus said sharply. Hendricks pushed up to the top of the rise ahead of them. The same rise the Russian runner had come up the day before. Hendricks dropped down, stretching himself out peering through his glasses at what lay beyond. Nothing was visible, only ash and occasional trees, but there, not more than fifty yards ahead, was the entrance of the forward command bunker, the bunker from which he had come. Hendricks watched silently, no motion, no sign of life, nothing stirred. Klaus slithered up beside him. Where is it? Down there. Hendricks passed him the glasses. Clouds of ash rolled across the evening sky. The world was darkening. They had a couple of hours of light left at the most. Probably not that much. I don't see anything, Klaus said. That tree there, the stump, by the pile of bricks. The entrance is to the right of the bricks. I'll have to take your word for it. You and Tasso cover me from here. You'll be able to sight all the way to the bunker entrance. You're going down alone? With my wrist-tab I'll be safe. The ground around the bunker is a living field of claws. They collect down in the ash, like crabs. Without tabs you wouldn't have a chance. 
Maybe you're right. I'll walk slowly all the way, as soon as I know for certain. If they're down inside the bunker, you won't be able to get back up here. They go fast. You don't realize. What do you suggest? Klaus considered. I don't know. Get them to come up to the surface, so you can see. Hendricks brought his transmitter from his belt, raising the antenna. Let's get started. Klaus signaled to Tasso. She crawled expertly up the side of the rise to where they were sitting. He's going down alone, Klaus said. We'll cover him from here. As soon as you see him start back, fire past him at once. They come quick. You're not very optimistic, Tasso said. No, I'm not. Hendricks opened the breech of his gun, checking it carefully. Maybe things are all right. You didn't see them. Hundreds of them. All the same, pouring out like ants. I should be able to find out without going down all the way. Hendricks locked his gun, gripped it in one hand, the transmitter in the other. Well, wish me luck. Klaus put out his hand. Don't go down until you're sure. Talk to them from up here. Make them show themselves. Hendricks stood up. He stepped down the side of the rise. A moment later he was walking slowly toward the pile of bricks and debris beside the dead tree stump, toward the entrance of the forward command bunker. Nothing stirred. He raised the transmitter, clicking it on. Scott, can you hear me? Silence. Scott, this is Hendricks. Can you hear me? I'm standing outside the bunker. You should be able to see me in the view sight. He listened. The transmitter gripped tightly. No sound, only static. He walked forward. A claw burrowed out of the ash and raced toward him. It halted a few feet away and then slunk off. A second claw appeared, one of the big ones with feelers. It moved toward him, studied him intently, and then fell in behind him, dogging respectfully after him a few paces away. A moment later a second big claw joined it. Silently the claws trailed him as he walked slowly toward the bunker. Hendricks stopped, and behind him the claws came to a halt. He was close now, almost to the bunker steps. Scott, can you hear me? I'm standing right above you, outside, on the surface. Are you picking me up? He waited, holding his gun against his side, the transmitter tightly to his ear. Time passed. He strained to hear, but there was only silence. Silence and faint static. Then, distantly, metallically, This is Scott. The voice was neutral, cold. He could not identify it, but the earphone was minute. Scott, listen, I'm standing right above you. I'm on the surface looking down into the bunker entrance. Yes. Can you see me? Yes. Through the view sight. You have the sight trained on me? Yes. Hendricks pondered. A circle of claws waited quietly around him, gray metal bodies on all sides of him. Is everything all right in the bunker? Nothing unusual has happened? Everything is all right. 
Will you come up to the surface? I want to see you for a moment. Hendricks took a deep breath. Come up here. I want to talk to you. Calm down. I'm giving you an order. Silence. Are you coming? Hendricks listened. There was no response. I order you to come to the surface. Calm down. Hendricks set his jaw. Let me talk to Leon. There was a long pause. He listened to the static. Then a voice came, hard, thin, metallic, the same as the other. This is Leon. Hendricks, I'm on the surface, at the bunker entrance. I want one of you to come up here. Come down. Why come down? I'm giving you an order. Silence. Hendricks lowered the transmitter. He looked carefully around him. The entrance was just ahead, almost at his feet. He lowered the antenna and fastened the transmitter to his belt. Carefully he gripped his gun with both hands. He moved forward a step at a time. If they could see him they knew he was starting toward the entrance. He closed his eyes a moment. Then he put his foot on the first step that led downward. Two Davids came up at him, their faces identical and expressionless. He blasted them into particles. More came rushing silently up, a whole pack of them, all exactly the same. Hendricks turned and raced back, away from the bunker, back toward the rise. At the top of the rise Tasso and Klaus were firing down. The small claws were already streaking up toward them, shining metal spheres going fast, racing frantically through the ash. But he had no time to think about that. He knelt down, aiming at the bunker entrance, gun against his cheek. The Davids were coming out in groups, clutching their teddy bears, their thin, knobby legs pumping as they ran up the steps to the surface. Hendricks fired into the main body of them. They burst apart, wheels and springs flying in all directions. He fired again through the mist of particles. A giant lumbering figure rose up in the bunker entrance, tall and swaying. Hendricks paused, amazed. A man, a soldier, with one leg supporting himself with a crutch. "'Major!' Tasso's voice came, more firing. The huge figure moved forward. Davids swarmed around it. Hendricks broke out of his freeze. The first variety, the wounded soldier. He aimed and fired. The soldier burst into bits, parts and relays flying. Now many Davids were out on the flat ground, away from the bunker. He fired again and again, moving slowly back, half-crouching and aiming. From the rise Klaus fired down. The side of the rise was alive with claws making their way up. Hendricks retreated toward the rise, running and crouching. Tasso had left Klaus and was circling slowly to the right, moving away from the rise. A David slipped up toward him, its small white face expressionless, brown hair hanging down in its eyes. It bent over suddenly, opening its arms. Its teddy bear hurtled down and leaped across the ground, bounding toward him. 
Hendricks fired. The bear and the David both dissolved. He grinned, blinking. It was like a dream. Up here! Tasso's voice. Hendricks made his way toward her. She was over by some columns of concrete, walls of a ruined building. She was firing past him with the hand pistol Klaus had given her. Thanks. He joined her, gasping for breath. She pulled him back behind the concrete, fumbling at her belt. Close your eyes. She unfastened a globe from her waist. Rapidly she unscrewed the cap, locking it into place. Close your eyes and get down. She threw the bomb. It sailed in an arc, an expert rolling and bouncing to the entrance of the bunker. Two wounded soldiers stood uncertainly by the brick pile. More Davids poured from behind them, out onto the plain. One of the wounded soldiers moved toward the bomb, stooping awkwardly down to pick it up. The bomb went off. The concussion whirled Hendricks around, throwing him on his face. A hot wind rolled over him. Dimly he saw Tasso standing behind the columns, firing slowly and methodically at the Davids coming out of the raging clouds of white fire. Back along the rise Klaus struggled with a ring of claws circling around him. He retreated, blasting at them, and moving back, trying to break through the ring. Hendricks struggled to his feet. His head ached. He could hardly see. Everything was licking at him, raging and whirling. His right arm would not move. Tasso pulled back toward him. Come on, let's go. Klaus, he's still up there. Come on. Tasso dragged Hendricks back away from the columns. Hendricks shook his head, trying to clear it. Tasso led him rapidly away, her eyes intense and bright, watching for claws that had escaped the blast. One David came out of the rolling clouds of flame. Tasso blasted it. No more appeared. But Klaus, what about him? Hendricks stopped, standing unsteadily. He— Come on! They retreated, moving farther and farther away from the bunker. A few small claws followed them for a little while, and then gave up, turning back and going off. At last Tasso stopped. We can stop here and get our breaths. Hendricks sat down on some heaps of debris. He wiped his neck, gasping. We, we left Klaus back there. Tasso said nothing. She opened her gun, sliding a fresh round of blast cartridges into place. Hendricks stared at her, dazed. You left him back there on purpose. Tasso snapped the gun together. She studied the heaps of rubble around them, her face expressionless, as if she were watching for something. What is it? Hendricks demanded. What are you looking for? Is something coming? He shook his head, trying to understand. What was she doing? What was she waiting for? He could see nothing. Ash lay all around them, ash and ruins. Occasional stark tree trunks without leaves or branches. What? Tasso cut him off. Be still. Her eyes narrowed. Suddenly her gun came up. Hendricks turned, following her gaze. Back the way they had come, a figure appeared. The figure walked unsteadily toward them. 
Its clothes were torn, it limped as it made its way along, going very slowly and carefully, stopping now and then, resting and getting its strength. Once it almost fell. It stood for a moment, trying to steady itself. Then it came on. Klaus. Hendricks stood up. Klaus! He started toward him. How the hell did you— Tasso fired. Hendricks swung back. She fired again, the blast passing him, a searing line of heat. The beam caught Klaus in the chest. He exploded, gears and wheels flying. For a moment he continued to walk, then he swayed back and forth. He crashed to the ground, his arms flung out. A few more wheels rolled away. Silence. Tasso turned to Hendricks. Now you understand why he killed Rudy. Hendricks sat down again slowly. He shook his head. He was numb. He could not think. Do you see? Tasso said. Do you understand? Hendricks said nothing. Everything was slipping away from him, faster and faster. Darkness rolling and plucking at him. He closed his eyes. Hendricks opened his eyes slowly. His body ached all over. He tried to sit up, but needles of pain shot through his arm and shoulder. He gasped. Don't try to get up, Tasso said. She bent down, putting her cold hand against his forehead. It was night. A few stars glinted above, shining through the drifting clouds of ash. Hendricks lay back, his teeth locked. Tasso watched him impassively. She had built a fire with some wood and weeds. The fire licked feebly, hissing at a metal cup suspended over it. Everything was silent. Unmoving darkness beyond the fire. So he was the second variety, Hendricks murmured. I had always thought so. Why didn't you destroy him sooner? he wanted to know. You held me back. Tasso crossed to the fire to look into the metal cup. Coffee? It'll be ready to drink in a while. She came back and sat down beside him. Presently she opened her pistol and began to disassemble the firing mechanism, studying it intently. "'This is a beautiful gun,' Tasso said, half aloud. "'The construction is superb. What about them, the claws?' "'The concussion from the bomb put most of them out of action. They're delicate. Highly organized, I suppose.' "'The Davids, too?' "'Yes.' How did you happen to have a bomb like that? Tasso shrugged. We designed it. You shouldn't underestimate our technology, Major. Without such a bomb you and I would no longer exist. Very useful. Tasso stretched out her legs, warming her feet in the heat of the fire. It surprised me that you did not seem to understand after he killed Rudy. Why did you think he— I told you I thought he was afraid. Really? You know, Major, for a little while I suspected you. Because you wouldn't let me kill him. I thought you might be protecting him. She laughed. Are we safe here? Hendricks asked presently. For a while, until they get reinforcements from some other area. Tasso began to clean the interior of the gun with a bit of rag. She finished and pushed the mechanism back into place. 
She closed the gun, running her finger along the barrel. We were lucky, Hendricks murmured. Yes, very lucky. Thanks for pulling me away. End of section three.